Billie Eilish's new era, Peach's allegations against comedian Alex Williamson, and an honest chat about Instagram productivity culture. Welcome to Culture Club. We're Jasmine Wallace and Maggie Zhao, and you're listening to our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work, and record this episode today. We extend our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hi, Maggie. How are you today? Feeling okay, Jazz. (laughs) What about you? I'm good. I'm good. We have both had quite intense weeks. We won't bore everyone with all the details, but I really wanted to talk to you. We haven't spoken yet, and I really wanted to talk to you about your video that you posted on your story yesterday morning talking about how your stories look like the very hashtag girl boss, like killing it. <laughs> but there's like a backside that lots of people don't see. And I thought you really summed it up very well. And you summed up my own thoughts. And like, I haven't been posting over the past few days because I feel that way, because I feel mm. like my stories have been so, here's a new byline, here's an event, here's a gifted product. I think you've done it so well in that you, I hope that you, your audience kind of was reminded that there is so much work that goes into this and yeah so I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that if you wanted to elaborate yeah had the space yeah no of course I feel like this is interesting because talking about um like my career or what I've been up to um I always shy away from it because it always feels like I mean okay (laughs) that sounds hypocritical because I post a lot about it but actually speaking about it it always feels braggy or then if we speak up about how we're tired or we're doing a lot it feels either like we're um, encouraging hustle culture or we're just complaining or we're just like humbly bragging right um and it's Mm. it's hard to have these conversations just honestly and openly I don't know without all this extra judgment whether that's self-inflicted or otherwise. I actually got this message from a girl today and she says, thank you so much for this. It means so much. I felt so deflated comparing myself to you lately. I've been rehashing this last week, how I would give anything to have the success you're having. So I'm glad to hear that it's not all glamour and pure luck and rather it's really hard work and you're struggling like everyone else. So hearing that was like, oh, like ah, that hurts. Like I hate that I made someone feel that way. But seeing what I am doing, like I can totally see how that's um, that comes across. Yeah. So did that by you making the story, was that spurred on by anyone's comments or was it just in yourself you felt that you had been showing a very shiny depiction of your life? Oh, actually, um, interesting. I ran into some old high school friends recently and some other people I'm acquaintances with and they're always like, you're killing it, you're smashing it, you're doing so much. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I am. But like it feels weird to have someone that you kind of don't really know say that about you or – I'm like, oh, yeah, like on the outside, I am really doing all that stuff, but it doesn't feel like that all the time. It's Mm. like, oh, what I'm actually doing is complete, like 
horrendous long nights and not having a weekend and these aren't good things I always have to premise because again it feels like like weird bragging or whatever but Mm. it doesn't feel like I'm just like oh killing it all the time it's just like a lot of like stress and a lot of hard work as well totally something I've been thinking about is I have only been showing the very glamorous fun side of my life which those things are happening. It's not fake, obviously. But then if I think, okay, I should be more real. And then if when I think about posting, like, I don't know, the fact that I haven't seen my, my boyfriend in a year or that I've been working 12 hour days, um, I've been working on things for free, not getting paid, then I think, well, who would care about that? That's so boring that mm. I also don't want to just share that all the time with people. Um, so yeah, it's a funny one. But then, like you said on the video, you said that we've chosen these careers, these very kind of like public facing and like, I'm not even that public, you know, compared to how many people you have watching you. So anyway, my point of this little chit chat was that I think it was really a great thing to see that I feel like every now and then you just come on your stories and you remind people that you live a very fast paced and fun life, but like a lot goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. So Mm. I think we could all use that little dose of reality every now and then. And it's just a reminder that everything on Instagram is a highlight reel. Even when you're trying to be real, you are still only showing the best part of your day or whatever. Yeah. Or the most aesthetic looking, even if you don't post the details. So thank you for sharing that. All good. No, thanks for having this chat. I think a few of our listeners are also in similar fields as us. So it is nice to have this little reminder. Anyway, see, I feel awkward talking about it still. It's weird. Anyway. (laughs) I feel like we need a culture club column that's just about random celebrity encounters slash connections that I'm so wowed by. Um, I feel like there's a new one every few weeks and one that's recently popped up again is that Rachel Bilson, aka Summer from the OC and Rami Malik actually went to high school together. I didn't know that until recently as well, but not surprising given the industry. Oh yeah. They went to this like really, it's called like Notre Dame high school in California. I don't know. The name sounds fancy. Don't know if it's actually fancy, but I was like, oh, (laughs) like it sounds like it. Um, But a few years ago when Rami was, um, you know, it was like 2019 when he was getting Oscar nominations, uh, Rachel posted on Instagram, like a little throwback pic of her and him, Um, super 90s vibes. Like he's got like a gold chain and his hair is kind of noodly (laughs) anyway so it's kind of cute but turns out he actually slid into her dms and asked her to delete it like that's kind of awkward right yeah i thought it's really awkward i think like (laughs) now i'm being really awkward um yeah i saw the photo and they both look so cute they look so young and he does have like a little bit of a baby face like a bit of a chubby cheeks situation Mm. going on and i think as well with the oscar it was for his depiction of freddie mercury and he looks really different so maybe that's why well yeah in the dms um by the way we know this because she was on a podcast called the armchair expert last month and this is what she said on it i don't usually check my dms on instagram maybe a week goes by and i actually look and i have a message from rami but he wasn't like hey how are you it was straight to i would really appreciate it if you take that down i'm a really private person 
Um, and then she was like, I guess I should have found something more flattering, but I removed it and I even wrote to him a really nice message. I'm so sorry. Go get the Oscar. You're doing amazing. But there is some new info on this and apparently now they've talked because the internet took that story and ran with it a few weeks ago and apparently they're all good now, which is nice to hear because I think it's a sad situation when you reach out to an old friend or you're yeah. kind of like, yeah, go you. And they're like, I don't know you. <laughs> or like standoffish. Um, but the picture like is on the internet now. So... <laughs> So if one of us wrote that message, I mean, we're kind of people pleasing, but we'd be like, oh, like, could you please delete that photo? Like, all good if not, but just thought I'm a (laughs) little bit uncomfortable. Hope you're well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would totally be like that, not just be like, I would appreciate if you take that down. Yeah. (laughs) But it is interesting having him asked to have that photo removed um so just a few weeks ago chloe kardashian was in the news because she and her team worked hard to remove this bikini photo of herself which in my mind just drew more attention to it what are your thoughts i was thinking later on was it a pr stunt like you know how the kardashians every like month maybe they come into the news with something that they are like speaking out about but like that could have been so manufactured by Kris Jenner. <sighs> and I found it really sad that she felt that she was, she felt insecure by the kind of monsters that they, like that family specifically have created in our culture. Mm. Um, it shows that even she's not immune, but I think you're right. It doesn't really make sense to make such a fuss, even if you do want it taken down, because then more people will see it. Just like this Rami Rachel thing, like, I was just looking at it before and Mm. if he hadn't said anything, I probably wouldn't have seen it because I don't follow her on Instagram, you know? Yeah, and everything exists. Like if something's on the internet, it'll be there like forever. Um, And I think it's so, especially if you're someone that's famous, to expect that a photo will be like completely eradicated. Um, That does not feel realistic at all. Um, I also do find it very interesting when celebrities are really private, which is like so warranted because yes, they're normal people. And especially let's say if they're actors, they're just trying to do their job. Do you think they owe something to, I guess, their fans or the public to show parts of their life or be open in that regard? No, I don't think they owe it to anyone. Yeah, they don't um, owe it. Depends on what they do, I guess, as well. I feel like there's also this kind of different tier of celebrities. So like Oscar winners like Rami or who else? Maybe like more serious method actors, Mm. I feel. Like Margot Robbie, for example, they're really private on social media. But then I also love it when you see like really open Mm. like celebrities like Reese Witherspoon making TikToks with the kids or Lizzo like with sharing a DMs. Mm -hmm. It does make you feel closer to them. But then maybe that's like an accessibility thing and it is also a marketing tool. Whereas like I'm just using these people as examples, but Margot and Rami, like they want to be seen as kind of more high class or something. Maybe high class is the wrong word, but like more artistic and mysterious. And they'll do their interviews for like Vogue if they have to. But then other people like to be in the press kind of weekly or every few weeks with like little tidbits from the Instagram. Love it. It kind of reminds me of traditional celebrities or more old Hollywood um, having that mystique 
of mm. actors. Um, that is so interesting. And then I agree. I, I found Doja Cat's TikTok today and bloody loved it. She's so funny, but could be like a normal human being. And I do appreciate it when celebrities are really good at marketing and doing their socials in that relatability way, but definitely isn't something that they owe us or that we should expect. But I'm not going to lie. Like if I stalk a cute actor or actress and I try to find the Instagram and then it's not there, I'm like, oh, stop Mm. it. I get a little bit salty, but that's just, that's just on me, you know, (laughs) that's just selfish. If you follow us on Instagram, you would know that we have been obsessed with Billie Eilish's new look. She dyed her hair platinum blonde a few weeks ago. The internet went wild. Um, la- earlier last week, her cover art for her new album was released. Internet went wild again. And this week, she's released her new single, Your Power, with a video. The song's theme revolves around abuse of power with fans hinting that it's about her relationship with her ex, Brandon Quention Adams, whose rapper name is 7AMP. And in her doco, Billy calls him Q. So for the sake of ease, we're going to call him Q. Have you watched the Billy documentary yet? Still haven't, annoyingly. And um, my sister watched it and she was like, it's really good. So it's still on my list, my never-ending list. You haven't though, have you? No, I'm the same. It's on Apple TV, I think. So need to watch it. But I didn't even know that they were an item, um, this couple. But apparently they started dating when she was 16 and he was 22. Yeah. She hid the relationship really well. So I think um, the doco was when we first got a glimpse into this. Um, Before that, you know, neither of us had seen much about it um, in the media, but it kind of, yeah, relates back to this song. So in her IG post where she announces um, Your Power, this is her caption, Your Power song and video out now. This is one of my favorite songs I've ever written. I feel very vulnerable putting this one out because I hold it so close to my heart. This is about many situations that we've all either witnessed or experienced. I hope this can inspire change. Try not to abuse your power. The music video is so stunning. She looks Mm. so grown up. We see Billy on like a rocky mountain face. The camera zooms in on her very slowly. It's very pared back and simple. And as she's singing, a snake, like a python, is wrapping itself around her. Like it is one of her most personal songs, I would say. It's not like any of her others that I have heard. Yeah, she hasn't really talked about personal relationships much in her music, has she? I feel like it's always her experience with something obviously because she's writing it but it's like her feeling she doesn't really talk about other people much and I feel like this Mm. is might be one of the first songs where she's like how dare you how could you Mm. if you could take it all back would you things like that um but it's pretty brave I think to put all that out in the open at such young age she's still only 19 years old so proud of her yeah I find that interesting because at the start you were like she looks so grown up and she has she's entered this new era of herself and it's awesome to see her mature but also not feel like she has to be this one note billy with her green tips and her oversized baggy clothes like I'm so proud that she has stepped out and um, embrace this new side of her because of course she's so young and she's 
going to continue to change. Um, yeah, but what I found interesting, this is what I was trying to say, is that you said that she looks grown up, which she does. But I think especially at the end of the video, like she just looks so young to me. Like she looks like a child in some regard when she's wrapped up with mm. a snake and fearful and and so vulnerable. And I just think mm. it really drove the message home. One of the lines in the song is, and you swear you didn't know, you said you thought she was your age. And I just, oh, it, it was really um, powerful. I was just like, yeah, she is so young there. Yeah. Well, touching on this new era thing, I'm glad that she is able to do that and kind of grow up and um, experiment with her style. But hearing a lot of fans speaking about this is the end of an era, like say goodbye to the green and black hair, like I saw a lot of that online and on TikTok. It did remind me of a quote by Taylor Swift herself, and we'll play a little bit here. The female artists that I know of have reinvented themselves 20 times more than the male artists. They have to, or else you're out of a job. Constantly having to reinvent. Constantly finding new facets of yourself that people find to be shiny. Be new to us be young to us but only in a new way and only the way we want and reinvent yourself but only in a way that we find to be equally comforting but also a challenge for you live out a narrative that we find to be interesting enough to entertain us but not so crazy that it makes us uncomfortable that is so interesting i hadn't thought about it that way i'm almost eating my words now but um I so agree. So what are your thoughts? I found that one of Taylor's most powerful quotes from the whole documentary, which everyone should watch if they haven't. It's a Netflix documentary. And even if you're not Taylor's biggest fan, like it's just such a great documentary on the music industry in general. And if you think about all of Taylor Swift's eras, Miley Cyrus's eras, Beyonce having like Sasha Fierce, these alter egos, like Justin Timberlake has been like the same (laughs) since he was – 12 years old you know what I mean like yeah he's had he's experimented with different sounds but he hasn't had to be like I've got black hair now I've got blue hair and like here is my new era like what Taylor Swift which I know that she enjoys doing that but yeah through that quote I found a great article for the Guardian which I'll read a bit out now in our digital economy being interesting is a valuable asset Our leisure time has become an endless quest to curate the perfect palette of interesting friends, experiences, and objects to share through our social media feeds. On Instagram, we curate interesting personal lives replete with quirky hobbies and aesthetically pleasing interiors. We sign up to classes, experiment with new styles, try new foods, and stay on top of esoteric trends. All too often, the pressure to remain interesting follows gendered lines. Women often cultivate new skills, make new friendships, and visit new destinations, while men seem more prone to luxuriating in the narrow set of interests they cultivated in adolescence, football, computer games, the music they listen to as teenagers. By capturing these other sides of Swift's life, a much more interesting person emerges, one who's interesting because of her mundane human qualities. So that article was talking like specifically about the Taylor Swift documentary, but I did find the point about having to reinvent yourself, always trying new things. Like it adds on to our conversation earlier about the way we present to the world. And like, as women, we feel like we have to do it all and have it all. And 
be on top of everything. Um, so relating to Billy, I hope that she is doing this because she wants to, and she wants to experiment with her style rather than the fear of, well, if I keep going on this very dark, like I want to end me, um, era, people will get bored and I won't have a job anymore. Yeah. Um, so my other thing that comes up is, oh, I love that you mentioned all those female musicians and mentioned the different styles and eras of themselves. And I guess their subsequent different genres that they're experimenting with. And I think as a society, um, we're quite, <laughs> I don't know, we have a very narrow view of what I guess specifically female musicians can be like so we almost need them to have like another identity for them to have a new sound like we don't give them that flexibility to be multifaceted in their music or we're kind of confused like if Billy maybe looked like she previously did and is really actually Billy's not a good example because she's got multiple genres but um for instance let's say Miley Cyrus right when she was Hannah Montana appearance um, and if she just goes into a wrecking ball stage, like we're confused. We're confused. We almost need like the aesthetic um, evidence or like we need, I don't know, like characterizations of musicians. I guess. But then think about Justin Bieber on the, all the Justins. Mm. Justin Bieber, he had like an R&B kind of album um, in like 2012 he's had like more of a pop album um bit of rap in there and his style hasn't changed like the way he looks hasn't changed that much his clothes may change a tiny bit he might wear a bit more of a baggy like laid back sweat style um aesthetic in his rap and soul album and then when he was in pop he was in skinny jeans but like it's not like this is the new era of justin Mm. it's like the only person, the only male, sorry, musician I can think of who's doing that is Harry, Harry. Styles. Mm. Yeah, who's like his haircuts are different and whatever. So, but maybe that can also explain his popularity. He's like one of the most popular male singers of our time now. So, yeah. Yeah, mm. I think Harry's a really interesting one because I think he does it well in the sense of, I haven't seen that much backlash slash it's to his advantage. Every new iteration of him becomes, I think, more and more popular and loved. And we like that he experiments. That's part of his allure. Like we're like, oh, what's he wearing for the next thing? Like, oh, what's he going to look like next? Which I guess has only usually, usually, I'm sure there are people who have done this in the past, like men who've done this in the past, mm. but usually it is a woman's thing. Think of Britney Spears, the circus era. Yeah the hit me baby era you know so i'm happy for billy and i'm really excited about this new album we had the funniest mm-hmm. comment on our instagram oh my gosh someone thought that it was like poking fun at lana del rey's last album cover that we were like joking about but i kind of see it like no. that vibe like the country club like 60s <laughs> glam vibe that lana loves so much so like i saw that comment and i was like I see you. I see you. I hear you. Jazz is laughing at you, but like, I'm like, oh yeah. Hot take. Very nice. (laughs) Before we begin this topic, we would like to put a content warning here for themes of sexual assault and abuse. 
Australia has some of the strictest defamation laws in the world, so we have to be careful with our words here. But we definitely did want to talk about the news this week between TikTok creator and singer Peach PRC and comedian and self-proclaimed Aussie's loosest bloke, Alex Shooter Williamson. So on Monday, April 27, Peach came out and alleged that Alex is, quote, abusive, manipulative, and predatory. So to quickly summarize some of her statement, she was talking about how she couldn't stay silent and she couldn't ignore his behavior and uh, his alleged grooming and abuse of young women. The statement is online if you want to go and search it up yourself. We just have to be careful because we don't want to get sued. But yes, she's saying that she doesn't want to stay quiet any longer. Another Twitter user under the handle Cassidy Elk claimed that she was also a victim of Alex when she was newly 17 and he was 24. Again, these are all over the internet if you want to have a read. But Things got heated when rather than listening to the accusations or just stepping back and like listening, Alex went on an Instagram rant on his stories, um, attacking all the women who've spoken out against him. Again, we don't want to repeat everything he said as it's quite foul, but some parts included. I've addressed this now. I don't need to address it any further. You take one look at effing old peachy, you know what's going on. I'm confused as to where the predatory thing is coming from. What even is the accusation? If it's the predatory thing, it's false. Also, I was 29 at the time. What's the problem with trying to find a 19-year-old? He also addressed another of his ex-partners, Gabby, um, who hasn't spoken out during this whole saga, stating... Girls, you wanted me, girls. I'm a lovable character. I don't blame you for throwing yourselves at me. F in hell. F off you, bitches. You and I aren't um, afraid to say <laughs> the F word on our podcast most of the time, like if it, it warrants it. But the way he swears, like when he's talking, it's really quite intense and aggressive mm. is the word. Um, so that's why we're doing that. But both parties went back and forth on social media on their stories with Alex claiming that Peach was jealous of him. Yeah, I actually started watching some of his stories and had to swipe away because it was really intense and aggressive and quite gaslighty. But he was like, you're so jealous of me because I have more TikTok followers and that's what you care about and stuff like that. And it just felt like he was really minimizing these allegations to, you know, just like a popularity thing or like an internet jealousy thing, not realizing Mm. the full extent of what was perhaps being said. Exactly. He then went on to slut shame the women, both women, including his most recent ex, Gabby Gosling, who's an influencer. Um, In the comments, she claimed that she suffered emotional and financial abuse throughout their relationship and stated that Alex owes me about $15,000, but the money is nothing compared to the trauma. Alex admitted on social media that on one occasion he took her credit card while she was asleep and went on a gambling binge. Oh, my God. I also saw a video of his on TikTok last month where he was kind of making a joke out of the fact that he's being written out of his parents' will due to a gambling and drug addiction. He said on TikTok that they were concerned the $500,000 they'd plan to leave him 
would be whittled away on drugs and gambling. Now, when I saw that last month, I know of this Alex comedian. Don't follow him. Not my style. I find it quite misogynistic. But when I saw that video about his parents, I was like, this guy needs help. Like, this is a cry for help. Putting your family's business, I guess, on a public platform where you have nearly a million followers or half a million followers seems a little bit like you're not great. And so it's interesting that this has come out now as well. And it's also not the first time he's been on hot water because a year or two ago he was involved in a brawl at one of his comedy shows. Um, He was calling out one of the audience members and it got quite violent. So he's kind of known for also being like a little bit controversial, um, that kind of Aussie battler thing going on. I feel like this news story has brought up a few conversations. We can't go into too much detail on him because this is all like lawyers are getting involved in things now. But it made me think of two questions. One, is making social media statements the best way to deplatform someone and allege serious abuse against people? While it might not be the best way, let's say, it's understandable why I think people do do this. We know there are a lot of statistics, especially in Australia, around how a lot of victims of sexual assault don't report crimes to police for various reasons. Yeah, exactly. Especially in Australia, I feel like we've been conditioned through listening to other women's stories that if you go through the system or you take everything to the police, you'll spend time and money and energy on something that could potentially lead you to nothing except massive trauma and stress over the fact that you've gone to police. Um, I did read a report, an ABC report from last year by Inga Ting, Nathaniel Scott and Alex Palmer, which said that more than 140,000 sexual assaults were reported to the Australian police in the 10 years leading up to 2017. Of those reports, police rejected nearly 12,000 on the basis that they do not believe that a sexual assault occurred. Those figures couldn't be calculated exactly, especially because Northern Territory Police refused to provide any data to ABC News, which was interesting. But the figures from the rest of Australia suggest that one in 12 sexual assault reports are, quote, unfounded, which means that could be up to one in four in some regions. Of those reported, police cleared 25% without arresting the offender or taking legal action. Now, they can be cleared because the police don't have enough evidence to press charges, they don't know who committed the crime, or in like rare cases for other reasons, like if the offender or suspected offender has died. More than 35% of those reported sexual assaults remain unsolved to this day. So with Peach having over 1 million TikTok followers, over 195,000 Instagram followers, In my opinion, she did what women throughout history have always done. She took the matter into her own hands with the tools that she has. She has a platform that she knows she'll get media attention. Hundreds of thousands of people will see it and maybe something will happen. And these are all allegations. We don't know if they're true. Nothing's been proven in a court of law. But my instinct is always believe women in the first place. So I saw a few media articles saying 
is her statement like a good thing to do? And it's kind of like if the police aren't going to do their job properly, if the system isn't helping women, then, yeah, she did what she had to do and she's put it out in the open and now he is kind of getting held accountable for his actions. Yeah, so her platform, I would say, is a safe space for her. These are people who have chosen to follow her, who do know her, whereas going to the police, um, you just don't know the outcome, especially with the statistics that you just showed us. It's not really in the favour of the victim or of the person who has come forward. So it's understandable um, what she did. It's like you might go to your close group of friends to talk about something like this. This is almost that same mentality but in on a larger scale because she's got such a big platform. And then something else that this story brought out was the question of why hasn't Australia had the same hashtag MeToo movement that we saw in the US? Why do you think it is? Well, talking to various people in various industries um, through interviews, Australia is 20 years behind the US and the UK in almost any regard, in any progressive regard. I think we also think we're more progressive than we really are. At least I kind of do in some, um, in some regards. So for instance, I'll look around my social bubbles or who I follow on Instagram and I'm really proud of this sort of Australian community. But then we just literally step back a little bit and look at our politics or look at literally anything else and you realize that that's not the case and I would feel that our generation is really making waves and making differences but I don't think that that has translated to I guess our older generations Mm. or who is actually in charge of this country yeah but I think with the political landscape recently as well feels like there's slowly becoming more of a movement you know with the amazing work that Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins are doing in parliament people are finally I feel like listening a bit more I remember when we had the Me Too movement in 2017-18 and it was a thing but like in the US it was like every month people were coming out against various you know quite big celebrities but I think as well that the reason that we haven't had it to the same extent is the reason that we, you and I have to be so careful talking about this right now mm. is because of these defamation laws. Mm. They're so strict. And I read a BBC article that said, in Australia, we put the legal onus on a person making allegations to prove that they're true. So, for example, the legal onus would be on Peach. Mm making the allegations you have to prove that these allegations against alex are true whereas in the u.s the onus is on the accused person to prove that an allegation was made with malice so it'd be like um alex you have to prove that peach made this up barbaric ridiculous I also want to add to that thing when you were just mentioning Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins. And of course, Grace was named Australian of the Year. And I just quickly read something this morning in the Saturday paper that the Morrison government has launched a review of the Australia Day Council looking at who, who picked Grace Tame. It's hard because I don't what? have the actual article. Yeah. I don't have the actual article in front of me, but this is what I mean. I feel like where we've got that performative wokeness thread through to keep some of us happy right so we can celebrate small wins without looking at the larger picture sometimes totally yeah I feel that 
100%. And the same with like um, Indigenous rights issues. Mm. It's like you will change the lyrics mm. in the Australian National Anthem for you. Here's a little crumb. You better be happy with that because other countries, people get shot for marching and we're not shooting you. You should be so lucky. But then behind the scenes they're like, oh, shut up, you know. So I think, yeah, this Peach Alex situation is a very, it's like a under-the-microscope look at just Australian society in general, mm. and especially considering his comedy is so male-dominated mm. and quintessentially Australian. It's so fascinating to me that the way this is playing out. Some updates. Alex Williamson has since been dropped by his management, More Talent, and earlier last week he was taken off the Sydney and Perth Comedy Festival bills. So some deplatforming is happening he did make um, an apology on his Instagram yesterday. He apologized for the way he spoke about the women, but he's since, I've just checked, and he's since been attacking more women, like women who are in his DMs now. He's now attacking them. I'm not going to repeat things he's saying because they're just awful, comparing women to cows, basically. It will be interesting to see how the rest of this plays out over the coming weeks, I guess. Alrighty, let's get into the recommendations for the week. Um, Jazz, do you want to get us started? Yeah, so I'm recommending another podcast this week. Um, it kind of runs off the topic we started at the top of today's episode about busyness and productivity. So it's called Why Are We So Obsessed with Productivity? And it's by Educated Messes Podcast, Mental Health, Relationships, Work and Wellbeing. I found this podcast when a highlight slash recommendation account mentioned us in one of their stories, which is very kind. Thank you for shouting us out. The account is called at wellness.ed with me. But they also shared a bunch of different podcasts and I found this on their story. Quite meta that you found a recommendation from someone recommending us. Yes, I know. I was like, oh, these look cool because I guess the person recommending has a particular style. So um, they were similar vibe to us. But the episode came at a time where I feel like you and I and our friends have been talking a lot about this topic and about being busy. So that's what made me want to listen to it this week. So the podcast itself, Educated Messes, was created to sift through the BS around work, well-being and relationships. And it's by two friends, Kyla Schnellert and Kelsey Bowyer. So this episode was actually released in June last year, but it discusses productivity and it was a really nice thing to listen to, to make me feel less alone in my thoughts. It sounded like I was in on a convo with friends, like, you know, us at dinner the other night, just talking about it, but it was from a different perspective. I love their discussion on how even relaxing has become commodified. And like, especially in COVID, there is different ways Maggie pointing your gun to her head (laughs) there's different ways to like relax obviously there's different ways but there's quote unquote better and more productive ways to relax which I find so interesting like Mm. on a weekend I know I need to rest it's in my brain I need to rest but if I rest by staying in bed all day or watching tv all day I feel so guilty but if I rest by going for a walk getting myself a coffee and seeing a friend, 
I find that restful, but I'm like, oh, I've still had such a productive day. You mm. still get that high and you feel better in yourself because you've had a more productive resting day. Yeah. So I found that really interesting. Um, it definitely helped with my feelings of productivity guilt. And I think that's also the reason why I played Sims in the middle of the day today with no guilt. Love that for me. That's growth, baby. That's growth. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing. It does go for an hour and I was listening to it on the train to meet a friend. But the first half definitely made me feel validated. And if you're also in that mindset, it's just nice to hear other people's opinion on it. Mm. Yeah, I've been loving this bout of productivity content. I've also been um, ingesting. So The Cut had one about burnout. Uh, New York Times had one about this woman who was working at Google um, and about how that was like a dream job for ages and why you shouldn't romanticize stuff like this. So I feel like all these conversations are really helpful. Um, Sounds Mm. good. Love that. And what have you been loving this week? I finished a book, a whole book. I am so proud of myself. And also it's like embarrassing. Like I was like the biggest reader ever. Like Premier's reading challenge, over 100 books, you know, a year. That was normal. Um, But I've just really struggled to make the time for it. But anyway, I am recommending Small Beauty by Jia Sing, Wilson Yang. So my sister Cindy gave me this book to read after I was, yeah, complaining and fretting about not having finished one book this entire year. And it is May. Um, So this was a quick and easy read. I probably finished it in about like four days. It's 160 pages and it is a fiction, though it does feel quite real because it's about a biracial Chinese trans woman written by a biracial Chinese trans woman. So plot-wise, it follows protagonist Mei, who is coping with the death of her cousin. She then goes to live in the country at his place. And from there, she kind of finds out more about herself as well as some of her family's secrets. So it circles around the themes of love, identity, family, and loss. But what I really appreciated was the... um, intersections of gender and cultural identity that was woven through it. Uh, It was almost like an accessible way to be introduced to new themes. For instance, this was the first book I've read by a trans author and it really kind of drove home the fact that it is so important not just to read books with diverse themes or um, important themes, but to actually look at who's writing them and to really critically look at the voices we're reading. So, for instance, um, I don't know if you read it, uh, but like Honey Bee by Craig Silver something, God, off the top of my head, um, has been really doing the rounds, like a very popular book, and it's about a trans character but written by a cis person, and there's been some controversy around that, for instance. Haven't read it. So can't comment, but I do think it is important to read marginalized voices. Mm. It is important to read many voices. And that's something that I've also been trying to work on in my reading lists when I can get around to it. I was used to be really proud that I read, I still do read majority um, women, but then I was looking at them and I was like, oh, these are all cis white women. And it's only been the last probably year or two that I've been actively like, no, I need to read more voices. So Love that recommendation. I definitely want to read that. Do you own it? Oh, your sister owns it. Yeah, it's my sister's. You can borrow it, though. She won't mind. Thanks. Book club. 
And now for our very first joint recommendation. We are so excited to talk about this. This is literally the highlight of my week. The only thing worth talking about that I did this week. Drum roll. We are recommending Fangirls the Musical. If you follow us on Instagram, we both posted about it. We went together and we supported the arts and we've got tickets to Fangirls on the premiere night. So if you haven't heard anything about it, Fangirls is the story about 14-year-old scholarship recipient Edna. She's a mega fan of the boy band True Connection, hint, hint, and she's in love with British member Harry, another hint, hint. When the band tours Australia, Edna will stop at nothing to make her dream of meeting Harry a reality. So this musical and all its music and lyrics is created by Eve Blake. What an incredible woman. So about a year ago now, I watched her TED Talk um, where she does talk about fangirls and her process of creating this musical, which I would highly recommend to those who can't watch this in person. Uh, But yes, back to the musical. Uh, She was really fascinated about why society views fangirls as embarrassing but then why we see footy fans or sport fans as passionate so I actually want to play a little snippet from one of the songs um, where she touches on this they think we're just pimply preteens with a propensity for panic predictably predisposed to particularly manic attacks of hysteria batshit behavior these little girls think this boy is a savior we're not insane or depressed. We're just in pain and expressing it. What's to gain from suppressing it? Why should we hide our feelings? Because they annoy you? Oh, because it isn't what the boys do. So Eve's set out to write the show that she wished her 14-year-old self could have seen, and it turns into a comedy all about the way the world tries to convince young girls especially, young women, that they're not as worthy as their brothers and their boys in their life. And you and I, I was like fully mm. crying in some parts. Like yeah, Maggie looked over and was like, are you okay? And I just was like <laughs> sitting silently, like tears running down my face. I cry a lot anyway, but um, <laughs> I just felt so seen and so mm. like just as a woman, like I, yeah, I was a fangirl, I guess, of One Direction, not like a mega fan, but like I did enjoy their music. I do enjoy their music still. Um, but just as like a woman who was or a girl who was seen as like, less than or you're seen as like naive and stupid and whatever it's so nice to have a musical literally in front of you being Mm. like what you felt wasn't nothing does that make sense oh for sure so I was one of those mega fans as we discussed in previous episodes stalk them etc um this musical just hit the nail on the head about Mm. I think the joy and magic of what it is to be a teenage girl and the you know we've talked about in the past but like that unabrashed like unadulterated emotion that we just like choose to live in like emotions are what makes us humans and I think when people have like the courage to feel their emotions that is so powerful and I think this music musical encapsulates that and celebrates that and we don't see it much we are ridiculed for this we are told that emotions make you weak but this just proves otherwise and I am so passionate about it I actually just booked tickets to watch it again (laughs) when are you going 
I'm going Thursday night um, with my boyfriend and my sister, forcing them to Aww. come along, not forcing. They're both very keen. Um, and I actually got three people DM me saying that they bought tickets after I talked about it. So yay. Love that. Hopefully more will buy after this. But but if you're in Melbourne, it ends on the 9th of May. It's like such a short little run. So um, get in quick. Hopefully they're not sold out. You know, I said I was upset, but it's such like a joyful musical. Mm. I was also smiling ear to ear. And I also felt like I was at a concert and like, it was so nice to be in a room full of people, like almost sold out theatre, just enjoying art again. It felt so special. So that's our first ever joint recommendation. And just a little shout out to the incredibly talented and majorly diverse cast. It was diverse in terms of gender and in terms of race and, you know, just proved what the future of, I think, Australian theatre in particular should look like because it is traditionally very white. But what a way to finish off. And that's us for another week. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to everyone who's been reviewing and rating us on Apple. It really, really means the world to us. We can't even explain. Every time we get a new review, we like screenshot and send it to each other. And it just means so much to like hear the opinions of people listening to us and we're not just Mm. shouting into the void. So thank you. And if you would like to, that would mean a lot to us as well. Yes, big kisses and big hugs for all of you, but especially the ones who have reviewed us. (laughs) Um, No, but seriously, thank you again for tuning in. We will be in your ears next week. Bye. Bye.